0: That's triple eight eight nine eight twenty five twenty-five. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk.
1: All right, it's a big Thursday night edition of Sports Talk for you here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Good evening, everybody. Welcome in. Phil Cornblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat. Daniel, we're all separated tonight. Home studio here, Burgie Palace there. And Pat Daniel, uh, downtown Columbia, holding it all together. We invite your phone calls at 888 South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number. A lot of ground to cover tonight. A lot of good stuff to bring your way, including Will and the Thrill. A visit from uh, Mike Morgan as well. No Ben Portnoy tonight. He wanted to be with us, but he's having travel difficulties getting up to Penn State for Michigan and Penn State. And he's had a day full of travel issues so uh we give him a pass tonight he'll join us uh, again next week and we got some other stuff we'll drop your way including an interview with a newly signed clemson basketball guard ace buckner I thought he'd be interesting to talk to because he is the son of former tiger great uh, greg buckner we had another tiger great on with us last night If you missed it, Grayson Marshall. We'll get that interview up on our website maybe tonight, but he was fantastic. And, of course, uh, Greg Buckner uh, came uh, after Grayson did, right? Let's see, because it was Cliff uh, and then Rick Barnes.
2: Yeah, Buckner was in the 90s.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cliff uh, Rick Barnes came after Cliff, trying to get my eras right there. So, anyway – Great basketball players in the Sun uh, is, is going to be terrific player uh, at Clemson so we got all that for you tonight again the phone number is 888-982-525. All All right Pat. Uh, your Charlotte Pan- I'm sorry uh, your Carolina Panthers uh, are in action tonight up in Chicago with the soon to be Arlington Bears wherever they move to. So uh, what do you think? are the Panthers going to break through tonight and get it done?
3: I might defer to Chris here, uh, but the short... (laughs) No, 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 no. I love how Phil said, Pat, you're Panthers. He didn't even bother to lump me into that category, so take it, my friend. (laughs) Well, I feel like I said a lot of this last night. I might be
2: repeating myself. The short answer, though, is no. no. I am not expecting much. If anything, I'm seeing a matchup of two teams just devastated by injuries and that... Quite frankly, would probably go one and two or one and three in the upcoming draft had the Panthers not traded away that pick to the Bears. So now the Bears will be getting two two top three, top five picks here. And that begs the question look, I know nobody, no teams will publicly ever say that they're tanking. But if you are in the Bears situation where you have the Panthers pick, which will probably be the number one or number two overall pick, and you yourself seem to be just treading water barely. And safe to a lot of folks seem to think that the Bears will also reset after this season. Do you, are you incentivized to even try to win this game? Because if you... I'm sorry. Actually, I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Never mind. If you have both of the picks, it really doesn't matter who wins between the Bears or the Panthers. But the Panthers right now are just absolutely devastated by injuries all across the board, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, Bryce Young, he is a rookie that is doing the best he can, but he is playing behind... Uh, an offensive line that is also struggling and decimated by injuries. They don't really have much identity offensively or defensively. The Panthers don't. Frank Reich is supposed to be a quarterback whisperer and this offensive mastermind and just hasn't really put together much offensively for the Panthers. I'm not expecting much. The biggest thing I am expecting, and I said this last night too, is this is a revenge game of uh, uh, for DJ Moore, and I highly expect him to come in now in a Bears uniform and remind the Panthers just what they traded away.
1: Well, I don't know what the over-under is on this one, but based on these two offenses, I think I'd definitely put my coin on the under. Yeah. I think I'd roll with the under here. How about you?
3: Well, and especially if Justin Fields doesn't play, which he, he's trending that direction, and they've got some guy who played last week for them, Tyson Badgett. I've never even heard of him. And I feel like I follow football pretty closely, but, yeah, i never even heard of him. So mm. if Justin Fields doesn't go – and Bryce Young can't stay upright. I, I don't know how either one of these teams moves the football to the point. But the over-under is right around 38 points. And that would be somewhere in the neighborhood of a 21-17 you know, type ball game. And I think that would be spot on. I, I really do. I think that would be right in the money line there, and I, I would. I'm I'm like Pat. I just the Panthers give you no confidence that they're going to go out there and win against even a miserable team like Chicago on the road.
1: <laughs> we got an ACC game tonight as well. Virginia plays at number eleven, Louisville, and Louisville, of course, right now uh, it looks like it's going to be Florida State, Louisville, uh, in the uh, ACC championship game. Uh, you know, look, I mean, Louisville could. Stumble. They're five and one. Florida State seven and zero. Oh. Uh, Georgia Tech is four and two. North Carolina uh, three and two. And Duke and NC State and Boston College and Virginia Tech all three and two. But really, it's it's Florida State and Louisville. Uh, Louisville at home against this Virginia team, which after a terrible start has played a little bit better, but is only two and seven and one and four in the ACC. So, uh, Louisville, Florida State looks like that will be the uh, ACC championship game as things stand now. And you wonder, you know, uh, Clemson, when they play in it, of course, they end up selling out the stadium. I wonder if Florida State fans, I would thank Florida State fans and Louisville fans, but in particular Florida State fans, since they've been removed uh, from the championship level for a while, they would turn out in big numbers, knowing also that if they run the table, win that game, they're going to be in the college football playoff as well. So they can dig deep into their pockets for a change and spend all that money to follow their team to uh, at possibly three postseason games. Uh, meantime, Clemson getting ready for Georgia Tech. We'll talk about that as the Tigers look to build on their win against Notre Dame from last weekend. This is a dangerous Georgia Tech team. I know, Chris, you've pointed out how weak they have been against the run, uh, and I would say that if Clemson is smart, they're going to line up and run it for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's obviously what they do best right now is line up and run it. If they can run the ball – uh, against a defense and a defensive front like the, like Notre Dame, they can certainly do the same thing against a defensive front like uh, Georgia Tech. And number two, I think that alleviates a good bit of pressure on a Cade Klubnik and takes the ball game out of his hands. Don't put him in a position where he's got to try to win a game because he ends up making some mistakes that cost you a game. Then again, the running backs don't do a good job of holding on to the football either. True. Maybe they've solved that this week through whatever measures. Maybe they've just put glue on their hands, uh, put glue on their gloves, uh, stitched the football to their hands, something to make them hold on to the football.
3: Yeah, you're right. Uh, But I I still don't buy the uh, narrative that Dabo was trying to spin about Georgia Tech being a much better football team. Yeah, they they beat Virginia. Of course, everybody beats Virginia. And they somehow – had North Carolina just choke one away and Mm. give them the football game at Bobby Dodd Stadium. But this is the same team that lost to Bowling Green and should have lost to Miami. So, I mean, they should be in a situation where they're sitting in a a situation where they've lost, what, one, two, three, four of their last five. So, yeah, I'm not buying the Georgia Techs all that much better. And Clemson, if they come out and perform and run the football, they should have no problem whatsoever on Saturday. I just I can't see any way outside of the Tigers – you know, doing like they did against Duke and fumbling it, driving in several times and turning it over three, four times. That's the only Clemson. This will be truly one of those games where if Georgia Tech were to win, it was because Clemson beat themselves, not that Georgia Tech beat them.
1: South Carolina and Vanderbilt, just like Clemson. Now, these two home teams, they are 14-point favorites this weekend. So at home, two touchdown favorites Of course, South Carolina was a two-touchdown-plus favorite against Jacksonville State and had to uh, rally uh, to win that game. I think the Gamecocks are going to play much better. I really do. I think that um, we should look for them to uh, be um, better running the football. Um, I I think just, you know, they haven't – I think they made their best game of the season against Florida, and they lost that game. Um, but they had a lead and they blew it. Uh, they had that game in their hands at home and they blew it. That was probably their best overall uh, performance, even though you know they gave up uh, a bunch of points. So I think uh, also some of those points came off the offense, if my memory is correct. Um, and now they, you know, they've got to seek to put that complete game together and and build the momentum going into the last uh, two weekends. I mean, this is. This is get right time for the Gamecocks. Uh, when you looked at their schedule, if you were a Gamecock fan, you were hoping that you wouldn't have only two wins going into uh, November. You were hoping that you'd be around four or five wins, six wins maybe. Uh, and then go into November, maybe that's a bit high. four or five wins. Uh, and you go into November and you, you pick up a couple of cruise wins over J State and, and then Vanderbilt. Uh, and then, you know, laid on the line against Kentucky and, and Clemson, it sets up nicely for them because you got the two, the two get-right wins. Then you get Kentucky at home at night coming off – they're coming off playing Alabama. And, you know, teams that play Alabama the next week, I'd like to see what their records are uh, because i got to believe it takes a lot out of you uh, to play Alabama. You're getting them at a good time maybe physically and mentally if you take care of your own business. Then that puts you, of course, if you can win those three, then you've got your destiny for this season is in your hands. You can beat Clemson and make a post game, a postseason game, or you can lose to Clemson and stay home. So, I that's kind of how I see the Gamecocks um, lining up here. I think they'll win the next three. I think they'll be five and six going to the Clemson game. And as oh, of you, today, I don't think ch- <laughs> as of today, I don't think they would beat Clemson. But we'll see what it looks like in a couple of weeks.
3: Oh, so I, when you said they were going to win the next three, you're including the Jacksonville State game in there. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking okay, about going I got in, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you in, in November so far. I, I, I think they will win. I don't know that we can expect them, though, Phil, to play any better than what we have seen. I mean, Chuck Reedy brought this up last night when we were talking with him. They're nine games into the year. This is who they are. They can't run the football, they can't stop anybody on defense, they're having a hard time forcing turnovers. And they're, they're basically being, you know, have the benefit of being just more talented than the last couple of teams they played. You can make the arguments, if it's not for Stone Blanton, they don't beat Jacksonville State this past weekend. I mean, if he doesn't spend as much time in the film room as he said he did and read that wheel, uh, wheel route and step in front of it and run it back for a touchdown, Jacksonville State, worst-case scenario, is kicking a field goal there at the end but probably driving in for a touchdown. I, just, I, I think they'll win. I just don't have any confidence that they're going to be winning in dominating fashion over Vanderbilt and Kentucky and Clemson games. I, I still think they'll be underdogs and probably deservedly so the next two weeks. Phone number, 888 is the
1: South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. As we look ahead to the weekend, the rest of the football schedule, of course, you've got uh, Coastal Carolina, which is uh, a hot football team right now, Coastal Carolina at home against Texas State, which should be, I think, Chris, you were telling me earlier, this should be a good ball game to Uh, Now, you know, Coastal may be running their third-team quarterback out there, but Texas State has a big-time offense, don't they?
3: Yes, they do. They lead the Sun Belt in terms of total offense and also scoring offense. I think this might be the best game in the state this weekend is Coastal and Texas State, uh, partly because you've got two extremely good offenses, and two, both teams are still in the mix to try and win their division and play for the uh, Sun Belt title. Uh, Right now, Texas State has a game back of Troy in the west, and Coastal right now leads the east. If you factor in the situation that James Madison is ineligible, so James Madison right now leads the East, but they can't win it. So I I think you're looking at a situation where this ought to be a really, really good game. And like Tim Beck said yesterday during his press conference, if you're around Conway, come to the game because it should be fun. And I would anticipate it's going to be a relatively high-scoring game on Saturday.
1: All right, let's give you the word on South Carolina injuries from – this is from a tweet from Alan Cole, who writes for the Gamecocks' uh, rivals' websites. And uh, he's got Trey Jones out, Kaysen Henry out, on Joyner out, Antoine Juice-Wells out, Trey Knox, Ja'Kai Moore, Vershawn Lee are not 100%, but available if they need them. So, pretty lengthy injury list for the Gamecocks. And keep in mind, they haven't had Jalen Nichols all season. And that's another... Uh, quality starting offensive lineman who's not been available all season long as they kind of work things uh, in and out with their offensive line, much like Clemson. Clemson will still have kind of a makeshift offensive line going on Saturday um, and some issues in their secondary as well. And they'll be facing a quarterback, uh, guys, who can can throw it, you know, and he's played SEC-level football at Texas A&M. Uh, not that he's taking a major you know step down to the ACC, but hey, you know perception is, uh, and he can also run it. so uh, the Clemson defense is going to have to be able to watch the edges uh, and I don't know if they put a spy on this guy or not. you know sometimes you rush too much from the outside, you leave the middle open, and quarterbacks who can run, take advantage of that going up the middle, but he's also a good thrower. so is this going to be much of a test for the Clemson
3: defense? I, 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 I don't know. I, I really don't. I, like I said earlier, I'm just not buying Georgia Tech. They're going to have to go out and beat somebody of merits for me to buy into to them being a really, really good football team. And their win over North Carolina, I guess, would qualify as someone of merit, but I think mm-hmm. North Carolina lost that one more than Georgia Tech won it. So I'm I'm not on the uh, I'm not on the rambling wreck quite yet. Now if they go and perform and move it up and down the field against Clemson's defense, I will be impressed. I really will. They well, did I mean, also look.
2: beat Miami and uh Louisville they played very, very close. Now Louisville was well, not clicking back on all up. cylinders yet, but
3: That that was back up to the Miami game. That was was a gift. That was the take a knee game by Miami. Oh, gosh, you're right. Yep, you're
1: exactly right.
3: (laughs) They can't get credit for that.
1: They do average over 400 yards per game, 242 through the air, and 159 on the ground. So that's uh, that's respectable. Um, They're only allowing uh, 21 points per game. That is uh, sixth in the ACC and uh, 35th. Hang on a second. My bad. I'm looking at wrong numbers. Let's back that up again. Uh, Georgia Tech is averaging 33 points per game, which is third in the ACC and 28th mm-hmm. nationally. They're averaging 465 yards per game, which is second in the ACC and 14th nationally. Now, they are giving up 30 points per game. Uh, their defense has um, not been all that. They're last in the ACC against the run. They're 11th in the ACC against the pass. Um so And they're last in the ACC in total yards allowed per game. So, you know, this could be, uh, this could be an opportunity for Clemson's offense uh, to get right against a, a perceived uh, weak defense, or at least yeah. on paper a weak defense. But then again, Georgia Tech does have an offense I think you've got to respect unless Clemson's defensive front can just overwhelm their offensive line and put Hayes King on his tush time and time again.
3: Now, the one thing I will give Georgia Tech credit to, uh, and and as we had to go through a couple of different coaches, to finally get there, at least they have gotten into the uh, 21st century with their offense, and and they run more of a spread attack than they ever did. Of course, uh, for years under Paul Johnson, and and they were running the the triple option, which Clemson just ate alive because their athletes were much better than what Georgia Tech could run out there. So at least from an offensive perspective, Georgia Tech's uh, offense can, I think, move it against Clemson a lot better than they were – the last several years of Paul Johnson and certainly through the transition phase over to where they are with Coach Key now. But, again, I look at some of the teams they have played and some of the teams that have just run up massive numbers against them. And, again, they lost to Bowling Green. <laughs> I mean, that, that You can't yeah. tell me that Clemson is not considerably better than Bowling Green.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, listen, you're right. That's an inexplicable home loss mm-hmm. for them, and that's what keeps the program – like Georgia Tech, from convincing their fans that, you know, they are taking a yeah. a big step forward. Yet, they lost to Bowling Green, but they played, as uh, Pat pointed out, they played uh, Louisville to a five-point game. Um, they put up a respectable fight uh, at Ole Miss early in the year. They beat Wake Forest on the road. Um, they went down, you know, a gift or not. They put themselves in position to have a chance to beat Miami, True. and Miami True. gave them that opportunity. They still – had to go and move the football down the field, right? To and score a touchdown to win the game against that Miami defense, you know. The um, and they beat North Carolina. They put forty six points on the board there against North Carolina. They've scored in their in their last two games. They've scored forty six and forty five points. So let's just see what happens against Clemson. This I'm sure Georgia Tech is looking at this as a great opportunity for them. They're a win away from being bowl eligible. After Clemson, they host Syracuse, and then they host Georgia. So they know to get that sixth win, it's probably going to have to come from one of these next two games because sure. they're probably not beating Georgia at home, and they're probably not beating Clemson tomorrow either. So it might all come down to that home game against uh, against Syracuse.
3: Well, and of the last – they've lost eight in a row to Clemson. And of the last now nine games going into Saturday, I would say this is probably their best opportunity. I would, I would grant you that. Mm-hmm. I would concede that this is probably their best chance in a nearly a decade to stay on the field and beat Clemson and have that opportunity. And uh, they're going to have to – to me, they're just going to have to have some help. Uh, Clemson's going to have to turn it over, which we know the uh, Tigers are prone to do. And that will help – Georgia Tech, the The problem is, from their perspective, can they ever stop Clemson? And if, if the Tigers run the football like I think they can and protect the football, I just don't know that Georgia Tech is going to get enough opportunities with that offense to move it against Clemson's defense to stay in the game. All right, give you the other games
1: coming up this weekend. We've talked about the three FBS games. you got Furman hosting VMI, seeking to win outright. The SOCON, they've already clinched at least a tie and continue – an undefeated run through the Southern Conference this year. Wofford and Citadel, one of them's going to get a W. They are both winless. Hard to believe that's where they are. They're both winless. They're playing each other in Charleston. Somebody, lest they play to a tie, somebody's getting a <laughs> win there tomorrow. Uh, Presbyterian, losers of three straight after they beat Dayton, will go to Iowa. Isn't that where Drake is? Yeah. They will go to Iowa to play Drake. Uh, South Carolina State uh, getting a big win over Howard last week. It's going to be Buddy Pew Day on Saturday at State. Last home game for the Bulldogs. They host Morgan State. Uh, Charleston Southern. Man, that coach, uh, Coach Gardenia, has done an excellent job there. Win over Tennessee State last week to close out the home schedule. They'll be at Robert Morris uh, Saturday. Uh, Newberry, disappointing year for the Wolves, no question about it. They've lost three in a row. They play at Morris Hill. Uh, Erskine, trying to avoid a winless season, will be taking on Barton at their home field at Greenwood High. North Greenville has completed their season at 5-5 after winning their last two, Mississippi College and Shorter. Limestone, winners of four in a row, going to play at Emory and Henry. And I've got to check. I mean, they've got to be right there as far as winning the South Atlantic Conference. They do have a loss to Lenore Rhine. That's their only league loss, three losses overall. Um, I would imagine – of course, they made the playoffs last year. I would imagine with those three losses, they probably need to win their league to get in to the playoffs, I would imagine. Benedict, which is undefeated – And remember,
3: that's not an automatic bid like it would be in, say, FBS football. Um the D2 playoffs are really, really weird. That's and true. Just That's true. because you win your league doesn't necessarily guarantee you a chance to get into the postseason. Uh, Benedict,
1: undefeated, 10-0 and regular season, will play Albany State for their conference championship in Atlanta on Saturday. And Allen wrapped up their season, 7-3, and three, very good season. They continue to build that program. I mean, that program has been built from uh, dust. And now they're Division two. Uh, they're going to be building a stadium for themselves uh, down on Two Notch Road, not far from Benedict's Stadium. And they finished 7-3. and three. Coach Keaton doing an excellent job over there with the Yellow Jackets. Okay, uh, 888-898-2525. Let's take a call from, oh, what a surprise. It is Gamecock Larry time here on Sports Talk on a big Thursday. Gamecock Larry, big Thursday all kind of goes together. Welcome in, Gamecock Larry. How are you?
4: I'm just fine, Dabo. Just as Gamecock Larry from Swansea. Yeah, we coming after you in about three weeks. You gonna be about you gonna be about seven and five. We We're gonna be about five and six, and we gonna be we gonna win number six against you all. Now, I'm gonna have to agree with Mr. Field. I, I, I can't, I don't know how to put this, but I gotta, I gotta say, I, I kinda agree with him a little bit. Mm. Uh, I've been thinking, you know, I, I, I love Coach Staley. She's a great basketball coach. She knows how to lead these young men. I mean, young women. But uh, I'm like you. She ain't, uh, she ain't no, well, I'm on, I'm on, no, I, I don't know how to say it, but I'm going to try to say it. But I don't want nobody mad at me because I love all y'all. But she ain't no political activist. She or whatever you call it. She is a basketball coach at the University of South Carolina. And that's it. Now anything she does, out of the, well, you know what I mean. I got you. uh, I love her. We we got. got We
1: understand. But you know, I mean, she uses her position to get her message out, and she has people who love her messages, and she gets it out to them. Thank you, Larry. Got to hit the break. Be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network, Big Thursday Night. So happy you're with us. Phil Kornblut, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. And our phone number, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. Lines are open for you. Feel free to uh, join us. Make sure, of course, that you download the free Chief Sports app so you can take us everywhere. Very simple to download. Works on your iPhone, works on your Android phone, and it puts Sports Talk in one place with a simple click. It also gives you access to our archives of our YouTube videos where we archive the show. So if you miss a show, you can go to the Chief Sports app and click on that link and, uh, and listen to us that way. It's terrific. It's free. And all you got to do is download it because there's times you can't get us over one of our great affiliates, and I understand that. So uh, take that uh, app with you, download it, get it on your phone. If you miss uh, parts of the show, you miss the show, you can always go to uh, SoundCloud uh, and find uh, the show elements in um, um, recorded form for you there. Uh, and also um, there are other places that uh, you can get to as well to, to find um, the show in podcast form. Uh, for example, you can go to um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or a Google uh, podcast. We're all there. And, of course, we stream the show on X and on uh, uh, Facebook. Um, so all kind of ways to find us uh, should you not be able to find us for whatever reason on a given night over the over the airwaves of some of the stations that you normally uh, reach us on. Um, coming up, we're going to hear from USC's offensive coordinator, uh, Dowell Loggins, and his thoughts about what the offense is doing uh, and uh, looking ahead to Vanderbilt and – some comments from the Clemson offensive coordinator Garrett Riley. So we'll get you some back-to-back offensive coordinator uh, comments uh, coming up regarding the Gamecocks and the Tigers. Meantime, our phone lines this are open. 888-898-2525. Yes, sir.
3: Sorry, is this the last time? I've I've lost count. Last time that we hear from the Clemson coordinators this year,
1: I believe it is. Yeah, I, I, think, I think this think was, was the yeah
3: the last time. Yeah,
1: I think this was the fourth and final opportunity. To, uh, to hear from them. so
3: wonder if Dabo would change that for the bowl game, assuming they, they qualify.
1: Well, depending on where you go, um, some bowl games have uh, required media sessions that include the coordinators. Those are usually the bigger games, right? and Clemson's not going to be in a bigger game. Sure. Where do you think they might end up? I saw one prognostication had them going out to the West Coast. Nobody wants that. I mean, if you're going to go to a low-level bowl, at least keep it in the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> I mean, listen, I put Clemson in Charlotte. Um, if you know, if if they get to six wins, put them in Charlotte. Put them in um, what else is nearby that they could uh, get into where they might be needed? Uh, something down in Florida, around uh, prior to or just after Christmas, one of those bowls. Um, but I would imagine if. You know, what's what's Clemson's best record going to be? Um, you know, right now they are, what, four and five with three games to go. So, you know, they five can max. Four.
3: Five and
1: four. I'm sorry, five and four. Yeah. With three games to go. So they can, uh, they can max out at eight. And mm-hmm. They go eight and four. You know, they go eight and four. They are Clemson. And that kind of finish, a win over South Carolina and uh, sweeping November would have their uh, fan base uh, pretty excited. So I think. You know, bowl bowl committees would look at that, uh, working with the league, and there'd be some bowl bowl games that would want them, knowing Clemson fans would travel uh, with that kind of a finish. So who knows? It might even open up something a little bit bigger than you might expect because the bowls are interested in one thing and one thing. Well, two things and two things only. They're interested in the TV ratings, and they're interested in selling tickets. They don't care who deserves to be there. Uh, you know, they'll take a lesser team in terms of their performance that year if they can get them, if that team's going to bring eyeballs and butts uh, to, their, to their
3: game. Tiger Ned had a, a story this week sort of projecting some of the places that Clemson might go, and if they finished eight and four and one outs, they actually said the Gator and Pop-Tarts Bowl would be in play for the Tigers as well. Wouldn't that be ironic? Carolina goes to the Gator Bowl last year, and the Tigers follow suit and go this year. I'll yep.
2: Throw another one out there to you, Chris, as well. I saw one projection this week where they had Clemson traveling out to San Diego, California, to play mm. in the ACC versus Pac-12 Holiday Bowl. Guess which Pac-12 team they have Clemson up against? Gotta be
3: Oregon State. It's gotta be Oregon,
2: right? State. And wouldn't that just <laughs> wouldn't that just be fantastic television to see that DJ Uyunglele <laughs> um, play against his former team and former backup, Cade Club Nick? I thought that I've seen that a couple times throughout the season. but would, that's would one he that opt I would out love. That
3: game? Would DJ Ooh. opt out of that game to start getting ready, <clears throat> use the excuse, I'm getting ready for the draft? I hope not. <laughs> Would he play in that game?
2: <laughs> mm. That's a good question.
1: Who knows? I mean, that's up to him and his family. Why wouldn't you want to play against the team that sent you packing and, uh, and show them something? Um, and you know who else plays on that team is former Gamecock running back Sean Fenwick. The other night I'm watching them, and Uyonglele, uh, it was the Colorado game. You had Uyonglele throwing a pass for a touchdown to Fenwick, so a Tiger to a Gamecock. And Colorado had uh, Levante Bentley, a former Tiger, linebacker, starter, and Shiloh Sanders, a former Gamecock <laughs> starter. So, I mean, you had all these familiar names in unfamiliar places, and that's just the way of the world now. it with the transfer uh, portal, John, guys, are they're going to move. They're going to move, and they're going to move a lot and um, until – well, I know the NCAA is trying to tighten it up or maybe has tightened it up by saying you get one free transfer um, and then you'll have to sit out a year, but I don't even know if they can enforce that anymore. Yeah, you I know. don't think so. we we'll try, try and enforce it and see what happens. Uh, but Heath they've Wood always Hall, said, you know,
3: the, the Pac-12 is Palmetto State West, so fairly obvious that's the case.
1: Mm-hmm. Look who is the new head coach at uh, Heathwood Hall. Pat, is that your old
2: school? He's it is, and I love this announcement. Please go
1: yeah. ahead. Assistant coach Ty Zimmerman has been promoted. Ah, uh, the state reported nice. that and the school later announced that. He replaces Rick Reitz, who stepped down in September after a one in five start. Rip Blackstone, that's a football coach's name there, boy. Goes Rip by B. Blackstone.
2: He's been coaching since I was a kid. There, he taught me is math. Right? Taught me math in seventh grade. B, if you're listening, you're a great guy. He, he's filled in a couple of times as an interim coach. I believe he did a few years ago as well, and uh, he, he has been a part of the coaching staff at Heathwood for, gosh, I'd say twenty plus years at this point. Done a great well, job.
1: He took over as the interim coach, and now uh, Tymir is going to be. Uh, he was the acting uh, assistant head coach, and um, now he is taking over. A team went two and nine, lost in the first round of the playoffs. Tymir Zimmerman. What a story for Ty Came out of Marlboro County. Very highly recruited, highly touted athlete. And uh, wanted to go to, um, uh, let me see if I get the story right now. Ended up, uh, he had to go to Fork Union, I believe, for a year. Then went to Clemson. Um, left there. Ended up at Newberry, where he played yep. for one Zach Willis, and he was a standout on the field stunned. there, and that was a great team that he e was a part of, and they mm-hmm. they won uh, a conference championship. I think it was the first for Newberry, like maybe forever or in a long, long time. He's in the uh, Newberry did, Hall of Fame, uh, went in back in 2014.
3: He's a two-time and All-American. Did un- <laughs> and did the unthinkable after that and became an assistant coach at PC. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Brad Scott, <laughs> uh, Chuck Reedy, um,
1: Ellis Johnson. They've all worked at, uh, yep. at at both of them, so hey.
2: And Ty's uh, wife, uh, Brianna, she is the associate athletic director at Heathwood as well as the varsity girls basketball coach. They're the defending state champs, and she played. She's one of the all-time leading scorers in our state for high school women's basketball, and she played for the Gamecocks. I believe her final season might have been Don Staley's first season. I might have that slightly wrong, but she played for the Gamecocks and was a terrific player and, her, and, her, and coach in her own right. So ni- nice to see the two of them now both head coaches out at Heathwood.
1: Was that Brianna Dickerson? That's correct, Yeah, Yeah, remember her. Good player, good player. SEC today announced the uh, permanent opponents for baseball scheduling for the league's team. So South Carolina's permanent opponents, as they move forward into the spring of 25, with the uh, additions to the league, the Gamecocks will have as their permanent opponents Kentucky and Florida. So – you know, it, it really doesn't wow. matter for the most part because no matter who you paired them with, it's going to be a powerhouse team. Sure. So it could have been Tennessee and but Kentucky, Georgia? Or Tennessee or Florida. Yeah, why not Georgia? Georgia's two uh, permanent opponents are Florida and Auburn. That's why you got Florida and Auburn. Um, they gave the that game. That from their perspective. I want now. See now, when it comes to baseball, will they still have? Um, will they still do divisions, or will they do away with divisions? That's what I'm trying to think mm. here because the Gamecocks have two teams from the east right now as their permanent opponents. Georgia has a crossover in terms of the divisions in Auburn and in Florida, but those are two of Georgia's big rivals, Auburn and, and Florida.
3: Yeah, no, okay, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. They, will yeah. Do, they
2: will eliminate it here, saying beginning in 2025, SEC baseball will play three-game series against two permanent opponents, eight rotating opponents for a total of 30 conference games, standings will be kept in a single-division format, eliminating oh. divisional standings. So that starts in 2025.
1: All right, very good. Okay, uh, phone number, 888 898 Let's go to Dowell Loggins, USC's offensive coordinator, who met with the media yesterday. And, um, okay, I tell you what, let's go to the break first. Thank you, Pat. We'll go to the break first, and we'll come back to uh, Dowell Loggins. I oh, always forget about the break, and I shouldn't do that because – our sponsors deserve to, get to be paid. heard.
2: We love you, sponsors. Yeah,
1: we love you. We love you. Yes, we do. That's the second time this week I've said we love you. We said that to Kerry Tharp. Of course, Kerry doesn't, you know, pay us anything, but we just said that out of the goodness of our heart. But we really mean that about our sponsors as well. So we'll hit the break, and then we'll hear from Dowell Loggins coming up here on Sports Talk. Be back in just a moment. <laughs>
5: You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you.
0: George Bryant here for Tsunami Bar Sports. And some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different. It's engaging. But it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil
1: Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today.
5: Looking for a way to fight back against inflation? One viable way to help your money stay relevant during inflation is through investing. To a new investor, investing can feel like a puzzle. With so many pieces to consider, it can be hard to know where to start. But with the right guidance along the way, you can put the pieces together to create a winning strategy. That's where Founders Investment Services come in. Our team of financial advisors can help you navigate the complexities of investing and create a personalized plan that fits your goals and risk tolerance. We'll work with you to identify the pieces of your puzzle and how they fit into your financial future. When you're ready to find the pieces to your financial plan, call 866-739-7064 to speak with one of our specialists or visit foundersfcuinvestments.com to learn about how we can help you identify the key pieces to your financial plans. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC, and not NCUA insured. Not guaranteed by credit union and may lose value.
0: The lottery is not about getting rich.
3: It's about helping people. And it always has been. The lottery is what helped raise the Great Wall of China, build the roads of Rome. And today in South Carolina,
1: it's what generates millions of dollars each year for scholarships like the SC Hope, Life and Palmetto Fellows. The South Carolina Education Lottery is investing in you. Visit sceducationlottery.com slash better you to learn more.
3: Farm Bureau Insurance's agricultural roots and ties to South Carolina farmers have shaped the company's culture and work ethic, providing a unique customer experience. Customers are treated like people, not policies. Now, while other insurance companies may have a one-size-fits-all approach to handling customers, we believe you need to be valued and treated right. Our claims professionals work until the job is done, and our agents still believe in the commitment that comes with a handshake. Call Buddy Bridges in Clinton and Lawrence at 864-923-217. for for all of your auto, home, and life insurance needs.
1: Dowell Loggins has done a heck of a job with the South Carolina offense. Do they have to be worried about him in Arkansas after this season? You know, Arkansas fired their uh, offensive coordinator uh, a few weeks ago, and he is an Arkansas grad. He has coached in Arkansas once before. I mean, this is a debate, a a question for another day, but it's it's something that should be in, in the back of your mind if you're a Gamecock fan. Um, you know, Dowell Loggins could ride out on the coattails of Spencer Rattler's huge season and Xavier Leggett's huge season to huh. so maybe an even bigger payday back at his alma mater if that's something he decides he wants to do.
2: Anyway – Hey, what about Sam Pittman, too? While on that topic, I mean, Arkansas is not exactly having a great year. Do you think there's any chance that they move on from Sam Pittman and then try to go after Loggins for even a head coaching opportunity?
1: Well, I mean, you never say never. I think they'll give Pittman at least one more year because – He's basically had a good run there. It's turned a little bit south, but my guess is, and that's old what's his name? Uh, Urechek, who's the AD out there, right? The old Coastal AD, Hunter Urechek. Yes. Um, I think they'll give him. I think they'll give him a little more time to see if he can straighten it out. And one way of doing that might be uh, trying to get uh, Dowell Loggins to, to come back home. But for well, now, here's where
3: the rubber is going to meet the road for USC, then if, if they're if they're starting to get into bidding wards and we've seen them lose them with mm-hmm. assistant coaches, will Ray Tanner and the athletic department step up and maybe up the salaries to a point where it's not as you know as cost prohibitive, if you will, to leave as opposed to staying?
1: Absolutely. But now their their focus is on a, a Vanderbilt team that's two and eight, oh and six, and you know, South Carolina should win this game uh, they should win this game pretty easily. Vanderbilt's giving up 34 points per game, and um, South Carolina offensively uh, should have. I mean, if you're if you're Spencer Rattler, you're looking at a team that's allowing about 256 passing yards mm-hmm. per game. So you're like, ooh, his eye, his eyes are going to have to are going to light up here. Here is um, Dowell Loggins from yesterday uh, taking questions from the media about things going on with his offense.
6: Tell me, I asked Shane this yesterday, but Xavier is just 27 yards away from becoming the fifth game cock to eclipse 1,000 yards in a season. We've talked so much about him this year, but for you personally, being at your first year here, seeing everything that's gone on, the injuries with Juice Wells, him having to step up, what does he mean, aside from statistics to this program? <sighs> everything. Because it's not because, like, this is a guy that you get emotional about when you talk about um, – because <clears throat> of his story and where he's come from, um, and how he did it, and you know, I got here and people, everyone's talking about Juice, and it's a funny story because the one kid, one of the kids on the team, Landon Greer, came to me. He's like, "I'm telling you, number seventeen is a dog. Wait till you see him." And you see this guy, and you're like, "Wow, like he's an impressive looking athlete, but you see his work ethic, man." I talk about it all the time up here, and. It what a great example for our young players to watch this guy for Tyshawn Russell and Nick Harbour and Kelton Henderson and CJ Adams and just to see how this guy works every day. Every day. To the point where we're on a GPS system out right there, um, out there right now and it's like, Hey, let's cut his practice down fifteen percent because he won't take himself out. I sent him a text message last night and I put myself, Coach Step, uh, Coach Day and Coach Morton in and I'm like, Hey, Zay, you gotta trust us, but we gotta cut back your reps. And he hits back. You know why are you saying that now? Again, I gotta get my work now. And I'm like, you're gonna get your work, but you gotta trust us on this. Like, we gotta get you fresh to Saturday, and you're playing through. Like, talk about people banged up and playing through stuff. There's no like this. You he runs 23 miles an hour, scores two touchdowns, goes for 217 yards, and he limps to the sideline. But then it's like when his mindset goes like, hey. I got to go, they're counting on me. I got to go make a play right here. You talk about the difference between being injured and hurt and playing through those things, like the kid's, the kid's a stud and he's going to be really good at the next level and we're blessed to have him, not because he's a great player, because he's a great kid and he does things the right way. And you want, I want my son watching him at football practice. I want my son to watch him in the offseason doing cone drills, not by himself. They're bringing his teammates along with him as well, and he's kind of the Pied Piper when it comes to work, and that all the time that he invests in other people. Like you root for you root for this guy a lot, big time. Now,
7: well, not that many people have been an OC in the NFL and major college football. What do you think about helmet communication
0: technology for college football?
6: Yeah, I'd love it. I mean, it'd be great. It's just to have the ability to um, get in Spence's you know helmet and talk to talk through things like. I don't think that people, unless you've done it, understand how much, how helpful it is. Like, you watch some guys early in their career, like – uh, Jared Goff and those guys in the Rams and how they use those things and they're getting the play call. They're and it's not just the play call you're getting. You're getting information. You can give them a, a tip right here or if you're in the thing doesn't cut off till fifteen seconds. So you could put a running back out wide and motion back in and hey you got man coverage right here and like you're giving the quarterback information to the uh to the test. But you know, you can give them information before the ball snapped and help them get through progressions and those things. And I think it cuts down on, you know, everyone talks about and it's same for the defense as well. Like, you want to eliminate stealing signals and all that stuff. Like, this, that's a big part of it as well. Like, I think it's a tremendous tool. Um, now, it would greatly affect college football because signals are such a big deal. Even when coming back to the, I never coached in college football. Um, I was the signal guy for coaching up when I was in Arkansas as a player. And I signaled in the plays to the quarterbacks and um, – then like all of a sudden it's like just a different layer of stuff that when you go to the NFL, some of these players that get drafted in the NFL, coaches go coach there, like that's gone. Like there's no verbal communication. Everything's through the quarterbacks the, the headset and then he's communicating out. Um, so it definitely would change the it would change the landscape of the opera, uh, operational procedures as well in college football.
7: Thank you all. Done a little bit of the, the two-back stuff, but when you were able mm-hmm. to do the, the three-backs on Saturday,
6: um what, what do you feel like you got out of that, and what, was it sort of like a, a build to to get to that point where you? It's that out? it's a really good question. It's it's really about getting your best eleven on the field, and now you have an injury with Trey Knox, and he's not you know he's not gonna be able to play, and you know Josh Simon can't play sixty snaps seventy five snaps in a game. He can't play every snap. So then it's like you got Juju DK, um, who are also versatile players, and for those guys to do what they did in that game, like they they essentially learned different positions inside the week. Um, and really, was super. I was super impressed with those guys. Uh, is uh, you know, DK is basically in the game. He's playing slot receiver. Why, like as a tight end, blocking stuff that tight ends block, and then playing some running back as well. Um, so you can only do that when you have really smart players that have position flexibility and you can make two back look like one backs you can be in two back personnel but be in one back sets and still run your plays because if you can 't do that, then the volume of offense starts stacking on everybody so you can 't say like we could say, hey this play is eleven personnel slash thirty but it 's now dk 's the y juju 's the f mario 's still the h, and it could still be with a b 's the f um josh simon's the why so you the volume for to be able to put that on people like you have to have two really smart guys which we have and it was really for us to hey let's spell our tight ends because so that those guys aren't playing 75 snaps a game and let's get our best 11 on the field because we have these two players that have the ability to do it
0: hey.
1: okay a login some comments from him uh, looking ahead to this weekend, we're talking about the weather and it's supposed to be uh, raining, 75 degrees, uh, 59% chance of rain in Columbia during the day, a shower at night. We don't care about that. They're playing during the day. But I looked ahead to the uh, Saturday of the Palmetto Bowl. I have a – this is for professionals only. I have a professional weather app that gives me 45 days in advance.
3: Write this um, down, Pat, somewhere yeah. where we can review right before the game. So,
1: Columbia on November 25th, cloudy during the day with a high of 60 at night. 75% chance of rain with temperature about 47 degrees (laughs) on the 25th. I bet it's gorgeous
6: and
2: hot.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It'd be 80 degrees and sunny. Rain on that Friday and rain on
0: that Sunday, too. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk. On the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number 888 898 2525. That's 888 898 2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network.
1: Okay, welcome back, everybody. Good to have you with us. Big Thursday, big Thursday night here on Sports Talk. Phil Kornblut, Chris Bergen, Pat Daniel. Phone number, 888-982525. is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. If you're just joining us, scintillating first hour of conversation, ideas, opinions. And uh, we heard from Dowell Loggins of uh, of USC. We heard from uh, Gamecock Larry. Of USC, who had some very interesting things to say as well. And again, uh, the Gamecocks uh, have some injuries that they'll be dealing with uh, going into the weekend. That uh, Shane Beamer outlined on his call-in show a little bit earlier tonight. Pretty much the same names that you've heard uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, no major changes there, except to carry on. Joiner add him to the injured list for South Carolina. He's going to be uh, out for the game against Vanderbilt on Saturday. Uh, college basketball tonight, real quick, got uh, three teams in the state in action. North Florida playing at uh, unbeaten Charleston Southern. They're 1-0, which technically is unbeaten. Uh, you've got unbeaten and soon-to-be nationally ranked Presbyterian. Number one. Hosting. <laughs> <laughs> Columbia International, right? That's the – That's the team they're playing tonight, Columbia International. And then uh, we've also got in the state tonight uh, one other team in action. Oh, South Carolina State is playing tonight at South Florida. Is basketball season too soon on the calendar? Let's pose that question to a man with a fabulous mind for basketball, football, baseball, gambling, and a whole bunch of other things. He is Mike Morgan. And Mike Morgan, here on Sports Talk, On the Move, is brought to you by State Farm agent Gary Patterson. For 35 years, Gary has been serving the real estate needs from Lugolf to Lexington, Columbia to Blythewood. Your auto home, life insurance, and business insurance can all be handled by Gary. When Gary isn't officiating ACC football games and probably being booed, He's being cheered for his countless hours spent helping South Carolinians with all their insurance needs and making a difference in the community. So go check out garypatterson.net today. And, Gary, he'll go over the best plans for you and your family. That's garypatterson.net
0: sponsored by love chevrolet no hassles no all-day runarounds no ridiculous add-on stickers at love chevy buying a car is fun south carolina's number one volume chevy dealer i-26 at harbison and at lovechevy.com, find new roads
1: and with that introduction we welcome in mike morgan morgan on the move good to have you
8: with us sir how are you I'm doing well. Could you repeat that Charleston Southern basketball score from the first half again? I missed that. Yes, Charleston Southern. That would
1: be undefeated. Uh, Charleston Southern. All right. You know, you want to, uh-huh. you want to get it right. Uh, Charleston Southern okay. leading um, North Florida. It's early. It's two to nothing. Okay.
8: It's early at the Buck two, Dome. Okay. Two to nothing. I had the, uh, I had the over two and a half for the first three minutes of the game. So this is. I've got a lot of writing on this. So keep me posted on that.
3: You're in good you're shape. You're good, Mike. They're three and and a half in, and it's 6-6 six, six now to update the,
8: uh, oh, the scoreboard. I've already covered. Okay, this is a good day. <laughs> Drinks are on me, fellas.
3: <laughs> See, there you go. Your gambling addiction and your alcoholism all coming
5: out
1: in the first two minutes oh. of the show. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I know you're glad basketball season is here. I mean, I love college basketball hmm. season. I do wonder if we start college basketball season for most of the country too early on november the 6th yep. what do you <clears throat> think
8: uh i have had a long time uh, mantra if you will tbh which stands for turkey before hoops mm. uh, in other Good words one. college basketball should start after thanksgiving or, or at least right around it with a lot of the tournaments that go on during that time yeah i i i do think it starts too early uh, I really think the whole calendar is off. I think baseball starts too early as well. I don't need to see uh, two teams in February in 22-degree uh, weather battling one another uh, in a game you know, in front of 47 fans. I, I think the calendar ought to be fixed, but I- that has fallen on deaf ears for as long as I've been saying it. So here we are. It's uh, it's going, and uh, I've got uh, Wake Forest, Georgia tomorrow night, so I'm actually in, in Athens as we speak uh drawing eyeballs from uh restaurant goers here uh at a, a nice little establishment um so I'm looking forward to that but you know it's still football still prevalent as as you well know and a lot of big college games on Saturday and then uh I'm looking forward how about this I've got Browns at Ravens on Sunday Ooh. and that'll be Deshaun Watson under center for the Browns and the outside linebacker for the Ravens, the number one defense in the league, is one Jadavion Clowney. How about so that? Clowney never? Yeah, Clowney never got to go against Watson. I think they missed each other by one year. But uh, Clowney could actually sack. It could be a Carolina-Clemson exchange between those two on Sunday. Mike, how do well, our listeners I mean,
2: get the uh, Compass Media Networks? That's going to be carrying that on Sunday.
8: I, it, I don't have a list of all the stations, but I hopefully if there's a sports station in your market uh they're carrying nfl on sunday there's a good chance they can catch it then but uh i know we're on i don't know 150 or so so hopefully hopefully uh your program director will be uh up to the task of carrying nfl on sunday
1: yeah about as many uh as we have carrying sports talk um now if you go back That's right. to the to it the be days, a deal really yeah you go back to those days you know taj boyd He had to change his uniform number from uh, number 10 to number (laughs) 7 because he had clowny on his back so much. Shaboom boom. -boom. That's Um, right. Five five sacks, if I'm not mistaken. Did he not get him down five times? I think so. I think so. So, that's good. I'm glad to hear you got uh, the hoops going and you got uh, football going as well. Keeps you busy. That keeps Mama happy, so that's good. Let me ask you about this. We were discussing (laughs) this earlier amongst us, and I don't know, this is not a big national deal or anything like that, though it did pop up on Twitter or X, somebody retweeted it, but there was a broadcast by Barstool Sports. I don't know if you saw this clip uh, that they did a college basketball game the other night. It was the FAU game. Did you see – do you know what I'm talking about? No, I have no idea. Okay. Well, uh, there's a clip from this broadcast. I guess it was streaming via – uh, Barstool Sports, and uh, the the game was a was a route. But the three guys I don't even know who they are um, were during this part of the broadcast. You know, towards the end, I guess uh, of a route, um, they were you know calling for players to shoot because of the money and because of the gambling aspect of it, and uh, mm. just, just Mike, it, it's not the kind of broadcast. That we you know that we would do and and that we grew up listening to and that and that we consider to be part of the professional part side of of broadcasting of sportscasting and, and my question to you is yeah. that maybe you know until you see it maybe you won't have an opinion but maybe you have a general feel for what's happening in the in the sportscasting world with so many ways of uh, delivering uh, uh-huh. broadcasts and sportscasts now are we lowering the standard? Are we lowering the bar on what is considered good sports casting and good play by play and good broadcasting?
8: Whew, that's a that's a can of worms. Uh I've got a lot of thoughts on that question. I, I would just say I'm guessing, you know, this is a would you say FAU is playing who? Uh this is a non conference. November game that nobody else picked up, right? Because, I mean, they don't have, you know, they don't have an SEC network or a ACC network. So when that happens, this is what really destroyed Conference USA back in the day. They thought they'd be the smartest people in the room, just kind of like the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. And they didn't align with a major network, and they just started, well, yeah, let's sign a contract with Facebook and have Facebook announcers call the game. Let's sign a contract uh, with this streaming service. And when you do that, uh, you're not going to typically get, you know, the same type of broadcast. It's, it's going to be more of a, a little bit of a yuck yuck session. And my, my guess is that's what happened. So, I mean, look, those games, uh, that for those type of conferences, the mid majors, if you will, a lot of them are not, they're, they're not broadcasted. They don't have, uh broadcast in place so it's a, it, it's either all radio or you allow somebody to pick it up for a for a rights fee and my guess is they came in there paid a rights fee to carry the game and their attitude was well, we're going to do it differently we're not going to have that old school professional sounding play-by-play color guy we're going to make it fun with gambling and all those and look i'm not even knocking it because maybe there's a market for that just because it's not what uh but people are accustomed to today, maybe down the road, there's a market for some of that. You take Monday Night Football, the Manning cast. I mean, that's not a true play-by-play analyst broadcast. It's two two guys being kind of silly, but people love it because they love the Mannings, right? Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's, the, that's the allure. If you just had two random players doing it, nobody would watch, nobody would care. But because it's the two Manning brothers, it, it's actually been pretty popular, but... Without knowing exactly, uh, you know, what the broadcast was or who did it, that would be my guess.
1: Well, I love the Manning brothers (laughs) as much as the next guy. And I got locked into a Manning cast NFL broadcast a few weeks ago. For some reason, I couldn't get out of it. Um, And I hated it because I wanted to watch the football game. And they're yakking, yakking over every play. And they're doing interviews and talking to people. They had Desmond Howard on. I think it might have been a Packers game. Um, well, I know what it was. I had recorded it, and for some reason my DVR recorded the ManningCast version instead of the other, the real play-by-play version. So I was stuck having to listen to it, and it was highly annoying. And I think those guys are funny and cute and say, you know, precious things, but it annoyed the heck out of me as a guy who just wanted to watch football game. But, again, I get it. Well, you got a choice. you got a choice. You know, you can choose the, the pure football game or right. you can choose the Manning cast. I, I get that
8: and And it was a game you cared about. it's your beloved Packers, right? <clears throat> just yes. like if if it's Gamecock fans tuning into a gamecock game and they can't even pronounce Shane Beamer's first name properly uh that's going to rub a lot of gamecock fans the wrong way as it did. but in general uh, you know if if it's your average person that doesn't care about the game, they might want a more quote unquote entertaining version of the broadcast so I, I think that's what they're trying that, – that's the the outlet that some people are trying to do. I'll tell you one thing, though. Hmm. From my experience, what you just described is anybody who really cares about the game, in other words, who wins, who loses, not just gambling respect, but they they actually have a vested interest in the team, they want a professional-sounding broadcast where they know what's going on and it's not just kind of the bells and whistles. So I, that's not going away anytime soon. I just think they're will more of these alternative versions uh, might pop up because they're trying to see if maybe a, a younger generation likes to see it a little bit differently.
1: We're going to let you go because I know you got a tight schedule. We appreciate it as always uh, tonight. Enjoy your busy weekend of basketball and NFL, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Mike. Okay, guys. Thanks, Thank Mike. you. Take care. Mike Morgan. Morgan on the move here on Sports Talk. I'm going to hear from Garrett Riley in just a moment. Let me uh, – I want to talk about this real quick. The Butterfield Bermuda Championships got a lot of locals playing in this. The Butterfield Bermuda <laughs> Championship.
3: You want to talk about a season that never ends? Oh, what about yeah. golf season.
1: <laughs> well, the, the round today was suspended, but they got a bunch of uh, scores in. Alex Noren shoots a 61. That's 10 under. And Vince Whaley, Robert Garrigus, Dylan Wu, and uh, DJ Trahan. They are all in. At 63. Now, some others, you got Doc Redman and Ben Martin at 65. You got Tommy Ganey at 66. You got Andrew Novak at 67. You got Kyle Stanley at 68. You got Jonathan Bird at 69. You got Scott Brown and George Bryan IV making his PGA debut. He's at 69. So, GB4 is at 69. William McGirtz at 70. Lucas Glover's at 70. Chris Baker is even with two holes to play. And Wesley Bryan, the brother of George, they're playing together in a PGA event for the first time. And the daddy's over there with him and the mom's over there with him. And Wesley is at plus 273. So thought that was kind of important with all the, the local folks involved. And by the way, I played the scramble today over at the Tsunami Bar Sports and Fitness. Chris Road in West Columbia set the course record because I had the first official round. Now, Wesley has gone out there and birdied all six holes, but that was before the course was open and it was official. Now it's official. So I have set the record bar at two under par. Two under par. Went out and shot two under par on the six holes today. Took about six minutes, about a minute per hole. It's just a little chip and putt. Is this miniature golf? Oh, Okay. Well, it's even sm- shorter than miniature golf. I mean, it's not putt putt, but it's it's shorter than a par like your par threes or your pitching putts. This is chipping putt. I mean, it is really ah, like gotcha. the longest hole is only like thirty two yards, and it's all built um, uh, throughout inside trees uh, at the, on their property. There, it's really and you got you know you got artificial grass being you know get turf for tees and turf for um, greens. And, and turf surrounding the greens, um, and and the the key is to put the ball on the turf. If you're if you miss the turf and you're in the dirt of the leaves, that's a penalty. You got to pick and pick up your ball and put it on the turf ah, and play okay. from there. So the key cool. is hitting. Oh, it's so much fun! And you play a, you play the six holes. It takes you five minutes. You know. Um, but I have set the record there at two under par. I'm sure it'll be broken uh, as soon as Robbie or George gets out there and play the uh, play an official round. Uh, we'll talk more about that round tomorrow night during uh, birdies, bogeys, and biceps uh, here on Sports Talk. I uh, wanted to bring you some Garrett Riley, the Clemson offensive coordinator. And, uh, Chris, I'll let you lead into him since you were uh, listening to what he had to say the other day with the Clemson press conference from Monday. So why don't you take us into the – Tigers OC, um, looking to, you know, find that offense and get it to a a level that was expected when he was hired.
3: I thought he brought up something that's really, really interesting because obviously he was asked about the running back room and how he handles the distribution now. Uh, This was clearly coming off the Phil Moffa situation against Notre Dame and how good a ball game he had. All right, we get Will Shipley back, so what do you do now? And he's, he basically said, you know, we chart this kind of stuff throughout the week. We have an idea going in, game plan as to, all right, Maffa's going to play, Shipley's going to play, Shipley's going to get X number of carries, Maffa's going to get X number of carries, but we have to figure that out each and every week. Said so that's, to him, that's the most fun he has, trying to figure out how to uh, keep the distribution and keep both those guys healthy, or happy rather, aside from the fact about worrying about the passing game, he, he was more focused on the run game, clearly, coming off the uh, the job that Mafa did against Notre Dame, so here's a little bit of what he had to say on Monday. One of the rare times we get to hear from the Clemson OC, Garrett Riley.
9: Yeah, it was a good feeling. <laughs> you know, big win, and you know, for us to, to hopefully create some momentum and and uh, to kind of go out there and gut one out after the last couple of weeks was was uh, pretty special to see with our guys. We were
7: talking with Kenny earlier about the settling effect that a running game can have on a quarterback. <clears throat> on an entire offense. Can you maybe just reflect on that with your insights on how important
9: that is? Yeah, I mean, anytime you can run the ball effectively, it's just going to help out your quarterback. It's going to help help your rhythm offensively generally. It's going to create confidence up front, which is going to create confidence and, and pass protection. You know, just all those things go together. And, uh, you know, obviously that was a huge part of our success on, uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I thought we had a good game plan, and, and uh, you know, that's definitely one of our main runs. Um, but, yeah, we O-line, tight end position, receiver, receiver, receiving core. Um, you know, I thought I had a lot of strain all, all day. And, uh, you know, some of those blocks on the outside that a lot of people don't see, those were, those were some key blocks for us that propelled some of those big runs. Um, yeah, so just super proud. We've been challenging those guys really hard last, last couple weeks. And so it was, it was great to see it pay off some, um, you know, pay off on Saturday.
7: Uh, Davos said last night that had that starting five struggled early that y'all were going to play anybody and everybody on the offensive line. Does that mean like literally anybody like defensive lineman or I'm just curious for your interpretation or, or insight into that what, what the plan was yeah you know,
9: just giving other guys that line a chance you know and and uh, see if we can create a little bit of a hot hand and see who can handle it and, and give those guys some opportunities so it's great to see uh, you know Trent and, and Harris uh, do a really nice job of stepping in uh, with where we're at right now so I was, I was really proud of them
3: bill stepped up saturday proved that he can carry the load you know when when will gets back we don't know if that's this week next week whenever how do you kind of you know keep both of those guys happy but also you know keep that running game continuity going not necessarily asking hey does he replace him on the depth chart but you've got two guys that have proven they can do it
9: yeah no absolutely you you gotta you gotta do a good job of kind of charting the touches and the amount of plays that they have. I mean, that's something in game you just got to be aware of. And and I think, you know, as coaches, you try and package things throughout the week where you kind of know and have an idea of, hey, this guy's probably going to get this amount of snaps. This guy's going to get this based on your game plan. Um, you know, so that'll be the fun part for us moving forward like it always is. Did
8: any part of Phil's effort surprise you?
9: Not really, no, not not at all. He's he's a patient guy, and obviously, like I said, they've been getting challenged challenged pretty good. Um, you know, from us as coaches, and, and from player to player, if of, of we get we need that part of our game to step up. And so, we knew some key guys like Phil needed to play big on Saturday, and obviously, he he played pretty big. When did you, last week, did you have a pretty good feeling that Cade was going to
7: be able to play? Yeah. No, when, when, They'll win. Yeah. At what point? Yeah, early in the week. Oh, okay. Yep. Curious about because you're trying to put together a game plan. Some of the some of the uncertainty there because I think Debo set up the game that that was a process of trying to figure out how you know how sure. healthy you and then off the offensive line as well, just the sort of patchwork nature of things <laughs> there with with through your just curious to get sort of a window into how hard that was
9: for you as you're trying to put together a game Uh I mean, I felt felt good all along. Cade would play, you know, of, of maybe what he can and cannot do. You had to kind of gauge that throughout the week. So that's always the the hard part, I guess, as a coach, of just kind of going through the week and, and uh, you know, again, trying to put him in the best position possible, along with the other guys that, that may be banged up or whatever. Um, I'm just trying to gauge that throughout the week.
1: Okay, comments of Clemson Offensive Coordinator Garrett Riley. Let's get you to recruiting now, brought to you by Seawells. Tomorrow is a Roast Beef Friday, most special day of the week. Roast Beef Friday over at Seawells, 11 to 2. Make sure you get over there and enjoy. And, of course, Seawells provides you with the best uh, catering service in the business, and their phone number is 803-771-7385 online at catering SC. So, we talked to David Rodriguez, 6'1", 165, 2025 receiver, Providence, Rhode Island, South Carolina in the top five with Michigan, Maryland, Georgia, Penn State. It's Gamecock commitment, quarterback Dante Reno, a former teammate who first turned him on to the Gamecocks, and then he was contacted by Pete Limbo, who looked at some video, and also Justin Stepp, they connected with him and they have been developing their relationship since then. They like him as a slot receiver. On top of that, his grandmother lives about 40 miles from the USC campus, so they're coming down next Tuesday, staying through the week and going to the game next uh, Saturday. So he'll get a big dose of the Gamecocks while he is down here, and he really likes South Carolina and likes the idea of playing in that offense. He's also been to Florida and Michigan this season. He also likes TCU, Arizona, and Syracuse. He's playing a lot of quarterback this season. He's also playing some safety as well. Uh, recapping the basketball signings from yesterday, uh, USC signing 6'9", Oku Federico, and 6'8", Trent Noah. Clemson signed three in their class. Uh, they are uh, They are Dallas Thomas, a Ford out of Arkansas. And Dell Jones, a guard out of Arizona. And Ace Buckner, a guard out of Indiana, who hopefully we'll be hearing from later tonight. Uh, USC Women. They signed 5-5 Madison McDaniel of Maryland and 6-5 Adele Tack of Texas. Clemson Women signed 6-2, Morgan Miller of Minnesota. 5-9, Imari Berry of Tennessee. And the Citadel signed 6-1, Ezie Wally. Of Providence, Rhode Island, back will and thrill coming up.
5: Ah, get it! Ah, get it! Ah, get it! Ah, get it! Ah, get, get, get it! You ain't nothing but a dog. Play I Ah,
2: get
10: From play it. Ah,
1: get Back we are here on Sports Talk. Sports Talk. Media Network, rounding up, Will and the Thrill, hopefully have them for you in just a moment. One other basketball recruiting note on the women's side from WBB 94 feet, which reminds me, of course, of uh, the uh, former Gamecock men's uh, head coach um, who, what was his name? Good gracious, replaced Dave Odom, came from Murray State, was terrible. No, Darren Horn. Oh, no, No, Murray State would have been – Steve Newton. Steve Newton, Steve Newton, yeah. One but of his he replaced
3: plays George Felton.
1: Was it George Felton? Okay. mm mm-hmm. uh, Well, you would know that, having served under yes, George.
3: I was that was my <laughs> senior year. <laughs>
1: did you – Did were you on Newton's staff as I was. a manager? Oh, so yes. you carried over my, to my, that staff as well. Yeah, my senior yeah.
3: year was our first year at Carolina in the SEC, and also the first year with Steve Newton. Ah. Well, you know, his
1: favorite line with the media was uh, he was asked, you know, what kind of basketball are you going to play? What, what do you – 94 by 50. We're going to play 94 by 50. 94 by 50. That was his thing. We we did not.
3: (laughs) No,
0: you did not.
1: Even though, as I remember, that first year they got off to a great start and then Joe Rett had his incident.
3: Yep. Tremendously talented team. I mean, you had Barry Manning and JoJo English and Joe Rett and Jeff Ralston and uh, Jamie Watson. I mean, they were some really, really solid players. Chris Mm -hmm. Leso. Uh, Stefan Eggers out of my new stomping grounds down at Sokka State. I mean, they, mm-hmm. that was a very talented team that I just could not, for whatever reason, and I'll blame the coach. I'm not going to blame my, my classmates. I'll blame the coach. I just couldn't figure out the SEC.
1: Yeah. Okay, uh, Pat, um, if we're chill, still trying to get to Will and Thrill, uh, we can go to my interview with Ace Buckner here real quick. If you'll uh, tell me what you got in mind real quick. Now where we are with things is Pat in the studio. Do you see him,
3: Chris? Chris, do you you see him in the studio? I I do not see him, but Uh. my guess is he's probably trying to track the guys down.
2: Oh, I'm here, guys. Yeah, I'm just (laughs) I've got Carl on the line. I'm just trying to trying to wrangle up Will right now.
1: Well, I tell you what. While we're doing that, why don't we roll this interview with Ace Buckner while you're getting the uh, getting Will on the phone, and then we'll have the two of them together. It's only about three and a half minutes, so if you're ready with that. I'll lead into it. You just give me the word. All right. So Ace Buckner, six one, out of Laporte, Indiana, son of uh, Greg Buckner, signed with Clemson yesterday. Had a chance to talk with him today and uh, get his thoughts about following in his dad's footsteps to play basketball for Brad Brownell at Clemson.
11: Man, it feels surreal, honestly. You know, playing Division One basketball has always been a dream, but playing at Clemson has always been has always been the goal, honestly. Um, it's always felt like, like family and a home to me and just wanted to be be a better version of my dad. It's, it's exciting.
1: That's saying something because your dad was pretty doggone good.
11: Yeah, he was, but, you know, he was good, but I, he always says that he thinks I, I'm better than he ever was. So, it's just, you know, playing with confidence and, and trusting everything I've done to get to this point and just showing what I can do, honestly.
1: Well, of course, your dad was an outstanding defensive player at Clemson. He could score when called upon, and obviously he didn't last in the NBA for all those years without having some offensive skills, but defense was his thing. What about you? What do you think stands out about your game?
11: Uh, honestly, I built it around defense, too. Um, early on, that's just what came natural to me. It wasn't the scoring or the handling the ball. I, I had to work on all that, but defense just came natural, being able to read players and things like that. But uh, I, w- I would still say it's that, but everything else is just an added bonus, and I feel like I do a lot of things around well the court.
1: Well, I recall talking to you during the summer that you said your shooting during the AAU circuit wasn't the greatest, and it was something you were really going to focus on in the summer to improve going into this season. Where are you with that?
11: Uh, I d- it just took, so, you know, in the UIBL, the three-point line is a little farther back than high school. So, you know, obviously that took some getting used to and that I had to work towards being able to shoot that deep consistently. And uh, I just put a lot of work in during the summer with my dad and with the trainers, just being in the gym, working on getting that range. And I feel like now I just put so much work in over the summer and before I got to school and even at school once I got here. It's just, it's continued to improve better than I think I think I'm shooting it the best I have in, in a long time of my life
1: right now. And we're talking with new Clemson basketball signee Ace Buckner. So it's one thing to follow in your dad's footsteps and go to the school he played for because you wanted to be like your dad. But there's got to be other things about a school that attracted you. So what was it about Clemson, Coach Brownell, the school, the system they run, how you might fit in? What other things led you to Clemson?
11: Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, as soon as, soon as I stepped on campus from my unofficial – um, I just, I just felt loved there, honestly. You know, uh, Coach Brownell and a couple of other coaches on the staff, they came up to watch me play during are an open gym and a practice. And, you know, as soon as they got there, it just came right up to me, showed me love, you know, showed me that they are really there to see how I had grown from the summer and see what I could do. And then, obviously, they think I had grown enough and was uh, was good enough to come play for them. And once they extended that offer, it was just it was still love, you know. They never stopped recruiting me. They always, they always reached out stayed on the phone, and just on campus, it was beautiful, man. They just showed me what I, what I could be when I got there. Show me what the school was like, the love that all the fans and the people around you show. It was just, I just felt like it was a place for me.
1: Well, you're part of a recruiting class that Clemson fans are excited about. You and Dallas Thomas and Dell Jones, three of us should come in and keep the Clemson program moving forward. Uh, What do you know about the other two, Dallas and Dell? Have you run across them very much? Are you close to them at all?
11: So with Dallas, I know him a little more because I spent some time down in um, Florida with him at the top 100 camp. Uh, We were actually on the same team. So uh, me and him are a little closer than I am with with Dell. But I actually played against Dell our junior year in a game uh, at our previous schools. So I'm a little familiar with him. Not too much, though. But um. I know they're both great guys. I know Coach Brown now recruits great guys and wants them to be part of the family. And uh, I'm just excited to get closer with them and spend my time at Clemson All
1: right, Ace, last thing, we'll let you go. Having a dad who played in the NBA, coaches in the NBA, are there things that he talks to you about and teaches you from an NBA standpoint that he thinks will help you in the college game?
11: Yeah, he does for sure. Just He always tells me to just trust the work I've put in. You know, me and him have put in countless hours in the gym together and you know it's just always stay confident and be ready when your number is called and i just feel like every time he says that to me it just gives me a boost you know because if if a guy that's been that high up um and has made it to pro level just says that like you can do this and you're capable of these things it'll give you a boost man
1: okay there you go comments from ace buckner looking forward to seeing him in a Tiger uniform next year. Okay, uh, Will just notified us uh, something's come up. He's unavailable tonight, but we do have the other half of Will and the thrill. We have the thrill part. He just gives me a thrill up and down my leg. Carl, the thrill, chill hill, a thrill up and down my leg. Welcome, Carl. How are you?
8: Pause.
10: I'm doing well, Phil. Thanks for having
0: me.
1: Hey, man, listen—you got a dub. You got a dub last weekend, Jacksonville State. So the real Gamecock stood up there in the last 20 minutes, won that ball game. What do you take away from that dub? That's going to help you against Vandy and moving forward.
10: I'm going to tell you what I really kind of—I kind of hope that game kind of works the way our season is kind of working. Uh, early on in the game. You were kind of okay, pretty competitive. You thought you kind of had a chance, but the longer that game got along, you kind of looked like it was over with. And at the end, the defensive players made some plays. And that pickoff on that wheel route, uh, I've been criti- criticizing our middle linebacker for poor play of tackling, but there's no way to play that any better. He didn't attack the running back immediately. He went to where the running back was gonna go. He played it perfectly, and he he that one flew. That was that was a defensive player making a play. So at the end we then we got a few more turnovers, and I hope our season goes that way. We started off okay. The longer it got into the season, the worse it got. But we we got three more games to go bowling, and if you get the bowling, you can win seven.
1: Well, I got to believe, too, that you feel like three home games, Rattler is at another level at home, uh, a healthy Leggett and Rattler together. That is a lethal combination. I mean, they can can throw and score pretty much on anybody left on their schedule if they give Rattler protection. And, of course, you got to believe defensive coordinators are going to double up on Leggett and just try and, take him out of the picture, then other people have got to step up. So do they have other weapons that they can turn to in that case?
10: Well, I, I'm, I'm I'm not going to 100% agree with everything you kind of said to lay uh-huh. it up to that premise question, because here's the way you defend South Carolina right now, and this is how everybody has done it. On first down, you add pressure. So if we run the ball or throw in the ball – there's something to the defense going to advantage going to happen. Then South Carolina's going to get in the second and long, and that's what every defense wants you to be in. Then they're going to put more pressure on you. They're going to give more guys than you can block And the Spencer. If we're not throwing a quick passing game, again you can't throw the ball on because how many great receivers you have out there. And then when you're in third and long, they're going to send everybody. You know, you don't have time. So. If depending on what we do and how we play with Spencer Rowley, we should be. I mean, you look at our offense over the last few weeks; it, it really just hasn't been that good at all. It, it, we, we we were used to Spencer slinging around, and there hasn't been a whole lot of slinging. You, you look at our game against Tennessee; we scored four what twenty points. What we score against Missouri, twelve points. Texas A&M, 17 points. That, ain't, that That's not slinging it around. That's a struggling Mm-mm. offense. So, with our quarterback, in order, in order for us to have any success, every team is going to pressure us on the first couple downs to get us in second and long because we're going to try to pick up 10 yards and those routes take longer. And that's how teams been crippling our offense. And if we can buy your first down – meaning Spencer throw a five-yard route, a six-yard route. Then the defense can't put everybody. Then the offense dictates what they want to do, and then Spencer can be Spencer. But if we don't get in second and five, we don't have a chance because they're going to put more pressure on us than we can block. Defensively, we just got to tackle, ma'am. The defensive coaching staff is putting us in a great position to make plays. Guys are not making plays. And it's not so much it's not 100% on the guys because I've said it for about three or four weeks in a row now. You can't keep telling me you having a great practice and you all motivate everybody's doing great and doing what you're asking them to do, and then the guys get on Saturday and don't look like they know what they're doing. They can't. When here's the one route that's been killing our defense every game from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, when they're in man coverage, a slot receiver, a wide receiver, the slot receiver going to hesitate and go to the boundary 100% of the time he's open. Hmm. You can't tell me that's the player's fault. He's not seeing it enough. You can't talk to me about it. You got you to gotta put this in. You got to simulate this for me so I don't keep making these same mistakes. Our middle linebacker make the exact same. If you run the ball to the wide side and cut it back to the middle, he's never going to be in sight. That ain't that. They they don't have enough confidence in what they're doing to do it, and that's because they're not. Practice ain't working for them because they act like they don't know what they're doing defensively. Bad routes, bad running to the ball, bad tackling. The defense works. But what they're doing to prepare these guys is not working right now.
1: Are they trying to do too much? Is it too complicated they, for them?
10: They, they, they narrowed it down. It's not even a complication deal. When, when a couple of weeks ago they took some stuff out and kind of simplified it, which I thought they needed to do, this is nothing more than they're playing like when they see it in the game it's the first time they're seeing it. And that's practice. That means to me, and I'm not saying this is happening, even Shane made it to mention it a little bit, they're not doing enough scout team work. Where if that guy there, almost nine, five, fifty 50% of the time, the guy who's covering the slot receiver, when that slot receiver gets ready to break to the, they would actually turn their back, to the inside, look inside and spin all the way around in man coverage, taking their eyes off of the receiver and the quarterback in man coverage. That that You can't do that but once or twice in a practice and a coach correct it.
7: Mm-hmm. You
10: keep running that route till you can't do it no more. To a second nature. Nothing seems to be second nature for our defense right
1: now. Well, maybe they have to send some coaches out in advance and scout some opponents and have them come back and share that information with the defense in the future. in other words, do what <laughs> Michigan allegedly did. go out and cheat and scout opponents in in person and bring that information back ain't
10: That's cheating, what I would ain't
4: do. Trying. yeah
10: hey again, it ain't the information. It's the execution of what you're trying to do because you got the right gun, the right bullet, and everything, but you ain't giving your guys enough target practice shooting 205 yards, huh. and you got them shooting 100 yards. So when they get ready to shoot a deer from two, two, 205, they can't do it because it's the first time they shot that far. That's what it <laughs> looks like to me. <laughs> well,
1: so as as they go into the Vanderbilt game, and this – You know, Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt were two get-right games, right? A chance to get up off the ground. Yeah. So you feel good about Vanderbilt, and uh, so if the Gamecocks go ahead and take care of business, two touchdown favorites against Vanderbilt. All right. So now they're four and six with two games to go. How would you feel about? And Kentucky's got to play Alabama. Going to be a tough physical game for them at home. I mean, and then they pay Louisville after that, after us. Yeah, but but my point from the Gamecocks is you got to like the way this is setting up for them for a chance to run the table here in November.
10: Well, I said that, you know, I was a little wrong, but I said that two more weeks, two weeks back, that mm. we were good enough to beat everybody on our schedule, and I still believe that getting a win, and I don't care how ugly it was, getting a win was extremely important to those guys because I, another term I've been using for several weeks, you, you can't work hard and not see definable results of your work. If you don't see definable results of your work, you're going to start doubting and start not believing. So it was important for those guys to have some success last weekend. This is another weekend Playing against Vanderbilt, Spencer Raleigh should have a really good day. They got one defensive end that's pretty good, number 15. And then they got one receiver that's pretty good. But their line suck, and their running back's okay. Mm-hmm. So our defensive line ought to have a really good day. Again, build a little bit more confidence. Kentucky's going to come in here beat up and bang up, just playing Alabama then thinking about playing a ranked Louisville team after us. It was a great sandwich game, and hopefully that game will be at night. And I've said if we can win that game, I'm guaranteed we'll beat them Tigers.
1: Well, that's going to get to the rivalry meter reading for you tonight. Clemson coming off a big win over at Notre Dame. You had to be impressed by that. What is your rivalry meter reading tonight?
10: Again, I'm waiting until we get to Kentucky and beat Kentucky, but I still think they have more talent than we do. Uh, I just I, they're better; they're more talented than we are. And if we kind of get some, if Spencer Rattler get into second and five situations from here on out, I'm feeling really good. But I got to see it before I believe. I'm probably still around a forty-five,
1: not quite past five yet, huh? You haven't gotten over that uh, hump to be uh, not- on the. On the confidence side of things.
10: Now you guys showed me a little bit more than you showed me against uh, Jackson State, <laughs>
4: Jacksonville State.
1: <laughs> Carl, thank you for doing a double duty tonight. We appreciate it. Uh, have a great weekend enjoying your Gamecocks play, and we'll talk to you next week. Go, Cox! Thank you, guys. Thank you very much, Carl. Hey, Carl. The Thrill Hill. No Will tonight. Hopefully, we'll have Will back with us next Thursday. Let's go to our break and we'll come back and wrap things up. Update some college basketball for you. It is uh, Presbyterian leading uh, Columbia International 41 30 at the half. Cola Enter uh, was leading that game a moment ago. And we've got uh, Charleston Southern. And uh, let's give you South Carolina State. They're down 47-22 at South Florida uh, late in the half. And we'll be back after this break. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, let's say I'm out in the woods or I'm on the water and I need to reach a DNR agent. How do I do that?
0: Operation Game Thief, Phil. It's been around 30-plus years. You can call us at our 24-hour hotline any time of day, 1-800-922-5431. To report wildlife violations
8: or to get help if you're in trouble in the woods or on the water, call us at Operation Game Thief, 1-800-922-5431.
7: Lisa. Experience the difference with lawyer Lisa.
5: Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa.
7: Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa.
5: 7511 St.
8: Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina.
11: Daddy, you need a trust.
0: Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more. More on electricity. And members save more on insurance, groceries... Healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com
8: football season is upon us and that means columbia is welcoming fans from around the corner and across the country no matter where you're from gamecocks love coming together for game day energy that can only be found in south carolina's capital city book hotel rooms find pre and post game activities and plan your tailgate spread with local favorites from pimento cheese to barbecue at experiencecolumbiasc.com we'll see you soon and go gamecocks Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com.
11: Call me. Alex Satterfield at 803-749-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs.
0: It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program.
1: All right, Charleston Southern leading North Florida. This is from Mike Morgan. Charleston Southern, 37, North Florida, 33. At the half, that's the undefeated Buccaneers of Charleston Southern playing in the Buck Dome tonight, where I bet you they have a full house of 911. Oh, no, it's 800 and – no, it's 900 yes. and something. 900. It's TV. I saw the other night DePaul had a home game. Their home opener drew 911 in a 10,000-plus uh, arena there in Chicago. That's
3: so sad. Well –
1: I mean, it goes back to a lot of things. I mean, I guess maybe they have a crummy team right now. Their fans aren't interested. Playing on November the fifth, whatever you want to use as
7: a. I an
3: just excuse. remember when DePaul used to be one of what we would have considered the blue bloods of mm-hmm. college basketball. I mean, they were just a great program, and they have well, fallen the off the map over the last couple of
1: decades. You, you had you had old Coach Meyer, and then you had his son. I mean, between mm-hmm. the two of them, it was like a sixty-year run, or. or 50-something-year run of Myers coaching, and they had that Chicago talent. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Okay, that's going to do it. Thank you, guys. Enjoyed it, Chris? Yes, sir. Same here. Enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for being with us tonight, and we hope you have a great Thursday night. Look forward to having a Founders Federal Football Friday with you tomorrow. We'll see you then.